it's time for the Tom Sumner Program. The Tom Sumner Program is a live variety show with music, comedy and special guest interviews every Monday through Friday. The Tom Sumner Program. Old-fashioned radio for a new generation. Our theme music is Fruit of the Louvre, provided by flick composer-producer Howard Eddy. Stay tuned, because it's on now. Old-fashioned radio for a new generation. The Tom Sumner Program. Hi, I'm U.S. Senator Debbie Stabenow, and I'm listening to the Tom Sumner Show. Hey, good morning, everybody. Welcome to the show. I'm Tom Sumner. we got a good one in store today. We're going to talk uh, coming up in the third half of our three-hour tour. With um, We're going to talk about uh, pay equity and wage gaps with Dr. Zara Nanu, the uh, CEO and co-founder of Gap Square, and uh, in the middle of our three-hour tour, we're going to talk during the second hour with the um, founder and CEO of Core Access Consulting, Mark Zides. He uh, is the author of a new book called The Hashtag Pace, Process for Early Career Success. But we start out today, my guest this hour is uh, a practicing attorney and a mom of two young boys. She is a founding partner at Campbell Long LLC based in Chicago and Naperville, Illinois. She has also taught at various colleges in Southern California and Chicago. With her background in education, she believes in educating her clients so they can feel empowered in taking necessary legal action in the right way at the right time. To that end, she has a new book called Legal Things Parents Should Know, with occasional wit and sarcasm, which makes it a great fit for my show. Um, Joining me by phone is uh, author and uh, attorney Cindy Campbell. Good morning, Cindy. Welcome to the show. Good morning. Thank you for having me. Um, let's, is it, one of the things your book points out is, um, that having a will is, is as important as we've ever heard and possibly more so. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you know, I think people generally have an idea that they know that they should do it, but they don't really know why. And kind of hope that if they don't do anything, everything will just work out. Um, and it will work out, but probably not the way <laughs> the person intended it to. Uh, my, my mother, before she passed away, joked with me and my sister um, that uh, she didn't have a will. And she thought it'd be a lot more fun if we just fought it out. <laughs> <laughs> She did, in sure. fact, have a will, but but she used to like to joke that way. Um, is it important that that you consult an attorney throughout this process, or is there a certain um, I don't know assets level where you know beneath that level eh, you can kind of do it yourself with some of these online templates or if you're over a certain uh, 
assets level, you better consult a professional. So, I, I mean, and I can't speak for all attorneys out there. I can speak for myself, though. And when clients come to me, now, the more assets they have, probably the more complicated their estate planning is going to be. Um, and uh, conversely, if there's not many assets in there, then it may be really simple. We may be putting a few documents together. And I like to tell clients, the reason I call it estate planning is because they come to me and they tell me, this is my situation. This is what I have. And this is who I wanted to go to. And sometimes it's really quite simple. And then I say, okay, well, let's figure out what you need. And we plan it together. Uh, you know, conversely, some people have very complicated situations and we're doing more complex planning. The thing with the do-it-yourself stuff is a lot of times you don't know what you don't know, you know, <laughs> you know, right. and, um, and uh, so people think, well, I-, I could probably just do it like this and this is probably what I need. And, and so maybe, you know, they're doing it online and they're making these elections, but they really don't understand the consequences of what those elections mean. And sometimes it's a big mistake. And and the thing is, is then um, uh, in our office at Campbell Long, we work with wills and trusts and that kind of stuff on the other end of this. So after people have passed in court and, and then the family comes and they're upset that they're in this situation and it's like, that's what we're dealing with. That's the cards we're dealt now. There's There's no going back. We can't change it, right? This is what was done. So I mean, I often find that it's better to go see an attorney that you trust and who will just be honest and, you know, not oversell you things that you don't need, but give you what you do need so that it doesn't complicate things later on. I can't remember if it was a meme or if it was a, a, a comic or, or a, a, a skit that I saw somewhere, but it showed a guy with his son in the driveway at their home and he opens the garage door and it is packed from floor to ceiling with okay. junk. And he <laughs> says, someday all this will be yours. <laughs> yeah. um, is A lot of people have... Um, collected stuff over the years, hung on to things for sentimental value. They're always a little disappointed when they find out the next generation doesn't have the same sentimental attachment to some of those things. Um, Mm -hmm. But because of that attachment to those things, and I know this is this is true for me, and I am not where I should be. You know, I I, I laughingly refer to my financial situation as an estate, but um, but with the planning, you know, mm-hmm. the the afterlife planning of of wills and so on, I'm not where I should be. And the reason is, is because it always it it, it always feels a little bit like that dreading doing your taxes like it's this complicated (laughs) thing and and so it's really easy to put off yeah you're not alone um it's funny uh because i myself didn't do my own estate planning until after i had my kids and i worked in estate planning i did this every day for other people but you know what do they say the cobbler's kids have no shoes um, so I didn't do my own <laughs> yeah, until the, after the, I had kids. The, the plumber's faucet's always leaking. 
Yeah, yeah, right. So you're not alone there. Um, uh, I have to say, though, um, most clients, after they, even after the initial consult, I can't tell you how many times I hear, oh, my gosh, I'm so glad I met with you. This really isn't as bad as I thought it was going to be. And that's because when you go to an estate planning attorney, they're going to they know everything to ask you. They're going to walk you through the process. They're going to lay it all out. They're going to give you the information that you want to know. They're going to answer your questions, and hopefully they're going to make the process pretty simple for you. It's, it really doesn't have to be that painful, but it's kind of like a Band-Aid. You just kind of have to rip it off and do it. And then I think, me personally, when I finally did my own, you have that peace of mind like, okay, check that box. I did it. When you talk about you have um, your practice going into to court um, to settle arguments over wills and, and estate planning and so on, what's, what is the significant difference in the ease of that from someone who's done nothing to somebody who's used one of those online templates like the one I have in my desk drawer that I keep meaning to fill out? <laughs> And and um, and someone who's gone to a professional and and put together a good plan. What does that mean for the beneficiaries? Yeah. What does it actually look like? Yeah. Uh, so. Is doing the template a big help over not doing anything at all? Yes. Yes. Having some it's, directives, some instruction. Better than nothing. So I'd I, I like to say, uh, uh, think of a will like instructions for the court. It tells the court, if I pass, this is who I want to handle the administration of the estate, paying off the last creditors and the taxes and all that fun stuff. And this is who I eventually want to get everything. Um, and so it's kind of giving them instructions or a roadmap of this is who I want to ultimately get everything. Um, when you're doing it, online, you may miss certain important components that will make the administration more difficult for the person handling it. And uh, now it's better than not having anything in place because if you have nothing in place, then it's just going to be even more difficult, right? So then you're not telling the court who you want to handle this. You're not telling the court who you want to get everything or who should get everything um so it's just you know the court's kind of left okay well this is the law and then if someone comes forward and they say oh well he told me i was supposed to get this and i have this document in writing from 25 years ago saying i should get his car and you know then it just makes it more complicated because the court has to go in and figure out is this valid you know is this true um at least with a, a some type of do-it-yourself document the court has something to follow best practice, though, is going to be having it, you know, correctly drafted, all the right um, clauses in there that the courts want to see. It's just going to make it easier. And I find uh, this is already, it's already kind of a, 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 not a fun time, let's say, in someone's life. And the you're just adding fuel to the fire. Yeah, the you less know, decisions like, they have to make, the less things they have to negotiate, the better. The less stress they're going through at that point. It's already a lot of work. Yeah. Is it, um, is it important, regardless of what instruments you use uh, legally, 
to have someone assigned to represent you in the disposition of uh, a will or assets um, or is it okay if you if you have some directives to to leave it up to a court um, as far as do you mean who will do you need will, to have an executor yes well I suggest it um, yeah, because that's the person who's going to wind everything up. That's, and, and know that so sometimes it's things like, it's questions like that that I think why people don't come see me. Sometimes um, they don't know who to name as executor. Sometimes they don't know who to name as guardian over their children. Sometimes they don't, you know, these questions that they have lingering, so they're kind of stuck because they can't, they don't know the next steps. And this is where the attorney will help guide you. So, um, for example, I really like using professional executors right now. Um, I didn't used to. I do right now. And and uh, every state's different. I'm in Illinois. Illinois is a little bit more complicated for probate, I feel. And so um, even naming a family member can be a big burden. And so using a professional and... and um, you don't have to have, you know, you kind of jokingly said, I don't have a huge estate and, you know, I don't know if I have an estate, but, but um, a lot of times these professionals will act even in modest sized estates and it just makes the whole process a lot easier. Is, what are the cost implications of that? Is it based... Of naming a professional? Yeah. Yeah. Um, well, it depends, which is, you know, the famous lawyerly answer, but... Um, a, it, it's going to depend on who you appointed. So you can appoint a CPA, you can appoint an attorney, you can name a bank. Um, there's professional trust corporations. They're gonna, their fees are going to range. Um, I've seen everything from less than one percent of the estate to um, a certain flat fee. And and what would a flat fee? look like and and I know it's it's probably figured case by case based on the anticipated workload but mm -hmm. you know I, if there is such a thing as an average about what would that fee be uh, that again you'd have to talk with the professional trustee so that's kind of that's not my jurisdiction so to say <laughs> I help with the drafting. I'm not doing the profession. So my partner, though, I can tell you, so she, my business partner, she does, uh, she will act as a professional trustee or an, a personal representative or executor in the will or attorney, in fact, and a durable power of attorney. And she does less than 1%. She does, I think, 0.75% uh, um, of, of the estate. Well, it'd probably cost her money to do mine. <laughs> um, <laughs> Cindy, I have to take a short break here, but I want to talk about this some more. Can you stick around for a little while? Absolutely. Okay. My guest is uh, attorney and author Cindy Campbell. The book is Legal Things Parents Should Know with Occasional Wit and scar Sarcasm. If you're listening to us on 92.1 FM, we're going to let them squeeze for your words Hello, in. We'll be right back. It's me, Tigger. T-I-double-G-R. That spells Tigger. And don't forget to remember to listen to Tom Sumner program on account of because he's so bouncy. <laughs> 
I'm Julie Lopez with Crime Stoppers. Have you ever wondered what to do if you have information about a crime or the whereabouts of a felony fugitive and you want the police to know but you need to remain anonymous? Well, here's what you can do. You can go to p3tips.com or download the mobile app. You can go to Crime Stoppers of Flint and Genesee County's Facebook page and click on the Leave an Anonymous Tip tab, or you can call 1-800-422-JAIL. All methods are anonymous, and if your help leads to a felony arrest, you may be eligible for a cash reward. Remember, your voice matters. Our lives have been turned upside down by COVID-19. When a vaccine becomes available, it's critical that all of us get it. What we do as individuals will impact everyone's health, including those who can't get the vaccine. We won't get through this unless everyone takes part. Now is the time to get up to date on all recommended vaccines for both kids and adults. Experts say it's more important than ever for everyone to get their flu vaccine this year. And if you're older, you should get both the flu and pneumonia vaccines, since both illnesses can make COVID-19 even worse. Vaccines are available at a lot of convenient places, so be an example for friends and loved ones and encourage them to get vaccinated too. We all want to reunite, travel, and get back to school and work. But that means we all need to get on board. This is the time to do what's right for each other. Get vaccinated. It's our best shot. Hey, this is Tom from the Tom Sumner Program. Catch me and a gaggle of great guests weekdays on Our Voices Radio, WFOVLP 92.1 FM. You never know who might drop by. Joe Biden from the Blue Hawaiian. Dan Serling. Congressman Dan Kildee. Alexander Zondrick. Actor, comedian Joe Napote. Woodrow Stanley. U.S. Senator Debbie Stabenow. State Senator Jim Annan. Comedian Brian McCree. The unknown comic. Mark Farner. And Tom, I want you to know Tom's my friend. You, you've always got great questions, and you know the material, and you, and you care about it, and it's, uh, it's that's impressive. Nice to be with you, Tom. And I admire you for reading all of that. I haven't read the whole thing. I've got willing to admit that. <laughs> hey, Tom, this is my favorite interview all It's like having coffee at the kitchen table with you. Tune in Monday through Friday from 9 to 12 right here on 92.1 of a Kind. And check out our website at TomSumnerProgram.com. Discoveries. They happen when we least expect them in places we thought we knew. And discoveries have a way of teaching us a little more about ourselves along the way. Welcome to Flint and Genesee County. Where up north meets down south. Home to Michigan's largest county park system and a vibrant culture. A place filled with discoveries we've yet to make. Throughout acres of beautiful lakes, wetlands, and woods. And in the diverse city beyond. Where the uplifting melodies of gospel choirs fill the air. Where the work of renowned artists color the galleries and museums. Where the fresh fruits and vegetables at the downtown farmer's market awaken our senses and where the cultural center and planetarium broaden our view of the world. Let's spend a few days enjoying the wonders of Flint and Genesee County, where the joy of discovery is pure Michigan. Your trip begins at michigan.org. Babies come with lots of decisions. Cloth or disposable? Crib or bassinet? So when it comes to protection, go with the safest, most effective choice, vaccination. Get all the recommended vaccines for your baby by age two to protect your child against 14 serious childhood diseases. For more reasons to vaccinate, talk to your child's doctor. Go to cdc.gov vaccines or call 800-CDC-INFO. A message from the Centers for Disease Control and Prevention.
This is Congressman Dan Kildee, and you're listening to the Tom Sumner Program. And welcome back, everybody. We continue our conversation about uh, a new book called Legal Things Parents Should Know with Occasional Wit and Sarcasm, written by uh, attorney, uh, mom, author, and educator Cindy Campbell, who joins me by phone. Cindy, uh, welcome back. Thanks for sticking around, and sorry to make you sit through all that. (laughs) My pleasure. Um, Cindy, why did you mention specifically legal things parents should know? Why isn't it legal things everyone should know? (laughs) Well, um, I suppose just because I'm a parent, and as I mentioned, um, I didn't even do my own estate planning until I had a reason to do it, and that reason was I had a son who was a newborn, and I thought, holy crap, I've been doing other people's estate plans for all these years, and I don't even have my own in place. And that was kind of the impetus that, okay, get myself uh, into gear and put start doing things that I know I should do. Um, and, uh, uh, yeah, so that's why I was it different it doing Was it different doing your own than the work you've done doing other people's? Oh, gosh, that's... That's a really funny question because, yes, I have to say I thought it was awful. I was like, (laughs) (laughs) being on the other side of it, uh, I hated every part of it. I I get why you said, I'm putting this off. I don't like doing this. Um, uh, It's not a fun topic. Who wants to talk about their wills? Well, I've been so bad about it, Cindy, that I have grown kids with kids of their own. (laughs) Yeah. You're so, not alone. You talk about putting it off for a while, but but let me let me ask this: um, which which is uh, trickier, which is tougher, um, dividing assets up after someone's died, or when two people are going through a divorce? Oh gosh, that's a good question. Um, well, I would say it depends on the family. Sometimes, uh, uh, and I specifically do collaborative divorces and mediation, so I don't get into litigated divorces. Um, But even then, sometimes it could be more tricky because I'm meeting with both parties and all the emotions are, you know, coming out. Um, I would probably say dealing with estate planning, the wills and that kind of stuff, if it's done correctly, because then it's all laid out everything's already planned. Um, of course, there can still be fighting, but generally speaking, it, it's already stated. Hopefully, there's nothing to fight about. Are there things that that can be sort of generalized? I, you know, I, I made that comparison between, uh, you know, a divorce and, and a death um, because it, it gets very... Um, inventory intensive when you're dividing up property between uh potentially warring factions but in in the wake of a death can can you just say household contents and and not have to do all of that um oh yeah you know there are there some simpler ways to describe property and assets in in the wake of a death than than something as contentious as a divorce yeah, um, so I, in both, um, 
sometimes I've done it where we just say the household goods have been divided between in a divorce with a divorcing couple. The spouses have gone through and kind of picked out, this is what I want, this is what I want, you know, and, and figured that out. And we just kind of say they've worked through that, um, and, and they have. Um, and then same in estate planning where we just say, you know, everything is going to these people, you know, everything is going to my two kids and they can kind of figure out what they want and don't want and whatever else they can just sell. Or as my mom would say, they can just fight it out. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Um, what's the, what's the first step? Are there, are there certain documents and papers that people should gather up and have in one place before they, um, you know, start trying to put together a template or before they go to a professional? Um, I don't think it's necessary. It's not a bad idea, but um, if, so when people are meeting with me and if they're doing their will, let's say that, um, or, or even if they're just creating powers of attorney, financial powers of attorney, which would state, for example, if I become incapacitated, I want to give this person the power to step in and handle my financial affairs for me. So e- even a temporary incapacity, I'm in a car accident, something like that. I want somebody to be able to step in and pay my bills and all that fun stuff for me. Um, uh, it's a good idea uh, with those documents to have a list of where your assets are so they know okay so this is where i would go to pay this bill um if the person passes on this is where their accounts are at this is where okay they have a savings account they had a retirement account here's here's the name of the uh financial institution here's the policy number they had a life insurance policy same thing you know just kind of a list of this is where everything is at can be very helpful for the person handling the administration um, uh, but I don't think it's necessary for you to have it beforehand. That can be something that you can do um, simultaneously while doing the documents. What are the legal implications of uh, for a couple that has been uh, living together but unmarried? Is there um, are there drawbacks to that legally? in in the aftermath of a death of one of them there can be um that's where i would say it would be really wise to go speak with an attorney and put something in place um just because you're living with someone doesn't mean that they're going to get anything um uh i would say Probably not, but who knows? Who knows? You know, that's where I'd have to. You know, it, it always depends on the facts and all of that. And maybe there's some a, a contract out there. Um, maybe it, and also, you know, just to complicate things, let's say they've both been um, contributing to the property towards the mortgage and those payments, but one's not on the property. Uh, you know, this is this is exactly where. Um, People don't put documents in place, and now it's a real mess after the fact. Yeah, that's uh, one of the things I was wondering about, because a lot of people live that way, and they just assume that their significant other 
you know, we'll stay in the house and, you mm-hmm. know, that, that those things will happen somewhat automatically, but they don't. No. It quite often, and this is why I say, I, I always say to everyone, honestly, wills are a must. If, if anything, if you don't do anything else, just put a will in place. It's, they're usually not that expensive. Um, it's a pain. You know, I get it. I Like I said, I didn't like doing my own, but it's, so important it's going to make the administration so much easier and often people just don't realize how the estate will pass if they don't put them in place so for example in illinois um if without a will in place so i have two children i'm married um if i did not have a will in place and so in in my will i am giving everything to my husband and then after my husband passes to my children assuming, you know, hopefully, my husband's just taking care of my children the same way that he is right now, right? So everything would just pass to him. And a lot of people think, oh, well, that's naturally how it would go, wouldn't it? It would just all go to my spouse. I don't know about in Michigan, but I can tell you in Illinois, it would go half to my children, half to my spouse of my estate. And that seems somewhat reasonable. Okay. Even Mm -hmm. when the children are underage? Yes. Yes. And the fun part about that is, now my husband would have to be appointed guardian over his own children and then do <laughs> accountings and all of that to present to the court every year for the portion that went to my children that are minors. Well, that sounds unnecessarily complicated. Yes. <laughs> yes. Yes. What, what prompted you to write the book? Was it your experience uh, going through it from the other side? Uh, some of that, and honestly, I, I have found, uh, so many clients, I'm in a meeting and their eyes are just kind of glazed over like, (laughs) holy cow, (laughs) you've given me too much information here. I know know that look oh so well. Yeah. Um, and I thought, you know, there's so much information that people just don't know. And, uh, again, what you don't know can hurt you. And I thought, you know, I I just want people to know this information so they know when to see an attorney, when not to, when they can do things on their own, when it might be a good idea to just call up and say, hey, I I think I want a meeting. And then also when they're in that meeting to make it more productive. So they've kind of read some of these terms and have an idea of how this all works. Is it is it fairly common for people to meet with an attorney for a consultation and, and some advice on, on how to proceed without actually retaining an attorney to do all the work? Hmm. I, I, I will say most of the time when clients meet with me, they usually end up proceeding at some point, maybe not right away. Sometimes they kind of have to digest the information and they want to look into it more and, um, or sometimes they need to make those decisions. You know, we talk about a lot of things um, and I give them ideas on who to appoint and what role or how to set things up. And then they need to kind of mull it over and figure out what fits for them. Um, I would, most of the time though, people usually proceed, um, but not always. I, I don't know what the percentage though would be. Well, I was just wondering if that isn't something that that people try to do. Say, well, I want to do it myself, but I need a little advice, and and they contact a, a professional, and then, then maybe halfway through say, 
wow, you know, <laughs> it might be a lot better to have somebody that knows what they're doing handle this, especially after I, they yep. get the glassy look in their eyes. I think that's the case. I think that's the case. And also, I think legal services can be more affordable than people think. Um, and I talk about that in my book, too. There's a lot of ways that attorneys and firms are evolving as far as how they're offering services, um, fees, and the, the way they structure it. So some firms offer um, monthly, depending on you know what type of service you need, but for divorces, let's say, they offer um, monthly subscri- subs- subscription, excuse me, um, payment plans. Some firms, we offer flat fees in my firm. Um, some firms do limited scope representation where they'll come in and they'll just review a contract for you and give you advice on it. So, um, uh, you know, there's options out there to make it more affordable for a lot of people also. Now, I mentioned uh, when I introduced you in the last segment, when we first started talking, Cindy, that um, you're the the founder of Campbell Long um, LLC. And your areas of practice are primarily estate planning and collaborative family law in uh, mediation. Is that what you went into law to do or something that you decided to sort of focus on or specialize in after you'd been in law for a while? Uh, I actually kind of fell into it. Um, So I went into law school knowing that I wanted to be quote-unquote, on the friendly side of law. So I knew I didn't really want to get into litigation. Um, I wanted to figure out my path where I could help people. And in right out of undergrad, I actually worked in hospice for a little bit. And I saw kind of firsthand how not having these documents in place can really destroy families and make it so much more difficult. Um, so then... Uh, in law school is when I started working in estate planning, and I really liked that. And uh, and then also in law school, I took a mediation class, and I really liked this idea of trying to help people uh, solve their disputes amicably, almost kind of a oxymoron for a lawyer, but, um, but that's what I was drawn to. And so, uh, you know, uh, it took me a while to get where I am today, having my own firm, focusing on these areas, but... Um, yeah, I just kind of, I, I found my niche throughout the way. That's interesting about uh, about mediation because for a lot of uh, attorneys that, that are more litigious, um, you know, instead of finding out the things that people have in common and working out the additional points of interest, it seems like attorneys try to see how far away from common ground they can get and negotiate their way back to the middle. I mean, I, I, you didn't say it, but I'm not disagreeing. <laughs> <laughs> no, I, I, it just seems like that's sort of the art of the deal and, and why mediators... Um, tend to work very differently. Yeah. It, it's a totally different mindset. And and I, you said it better than I did. I'm literally trying to keep people out of court. 
I'm trying to help them come up with agreements so they don't go to court, um, which is, you know, some people say, you know, why would you go to law school just to do that? You know, like it's our system is set up to be more adversarial. But I look at, at it like, well, I have this legal information so I can help people resolve disputes before and hopefully not going to court. And, and court litigation is very useful and people need it. Uh, but I don't think, I, I do think a lot of disputes can be resolved amicably. Yeah, Cindy, you know, a lot of people say that our, our, uh, legal system in the U.S. is an adversarial one. But do you think it's designed more to accommodate situations that become adversarial than setting out to be adversarial? Ooh. So it sets out the platform and I'm talking you know the original intention you know not not how it's practiced and, and how it's practiced yeah I think that's become. the problem I think that's exactly you hit the nail on the head it's I don't think the intention is that um, but unfortunately in practice that is sometimes how it goes well how have how long has the I'm looking at the book has been out, what, since mid-February? Yes. What what kind of response have you had to the book? Well, so far, so good. I self-published, so I don't know what's kind of normal. Um, but Well, normal, getting... for a lot of the people I've talked to who've self-published, normal is having a box of books in the trunk of their car. <laughs> but... <laughs> Well, that's good to know. Thank you, then. Uh, that boosted my confidence this morning, then. Um, <clears throat> I don't have a box of books in my car. Um, uh, I do have a few laying around because I like giving them out to clients, though, when I'm meeting with them and, and they have that glossy look in their eye. And I say, you know what? Hold on. I have a book that I just wrote to help you help explain a lot of this stuff that I'm telling you. Um, uh, but uh, so far, it's been, it's been good. I've gotten lots of... Um, very positive and nice feedback, which is much appreciated. Um, is this your first book? Yes. Uh, do you expect there will be more? Not anytime soon. <laughs> well, I was I was going to ask. You know, did you did you get the book? Because some people do. Some people really take to writing, and you know, they that first book is out, and you know, they may want to take a little break, but it it's sometimes not very long before they say, boy, I, I, I got to do this again. You got to do it again. Um, uh, well, for me, you know, I'm a practicing attorney as well. And so writing this book on the side, also with <laughs> two young children, um, it, it took me a lot of uh, weekends and nights and just finding, you know, little bits of time to to actually write this book. So um, it might be a little while till I write again. Did you have to do um, a bit of research in, in putting this book together, or were you able to uh, call from the uh, Campbell Long case files? Well, I guess that was the nice part about writing it, is most of it is from my experience. Um, but I also, you know, I 
pulling some laws and that kind of fun stuff. So, that, you know, it's, I have to cite to sources and had to go find that stuff. But as far as, like, the legal information, um, luckily, it, it, and the book is focused on my practice area. So um, I didn't have to do too much research. I mean, I have over the years, but to write well, the course. book, I didn't have to. Yeah. Well, so, well, Cindy, it's been a real pleasure talking with you this morning. We've got a, just a couple of minutes left, and I always give guests an opportunity to let listeners know where they can find out more about what we've been talking about, about you and about the book. The name of the book, again, is Legal Things Parents Should Know with Occasional Wit and Sarcasm. And... Um, the author's name is Cindy K. Campbell, and uh, she founded the uh, law firm Campbell Long LLC, uh, based in uh, Chicago and Naperville, Illinois. Um, Cindy, do you have a website that you'd like to yes. share with people? Sure, it's C L Council C O U N S E L dot com, and that's actually my law firm's page. And on it, um, there's a link to the book. Well, that's great. And and um, how does the occasional wit and sarcasm fit into the book? <laughs> well, come on. It's a legal book, so I had to make it somewhat interesting so people would <laughs> want to read it and not fall asleep. Well, I I can't imagine that it would be it would be too dull because you've been a delight to talk to Cindy. Thanks so much for spending this time with me and the listeners today and sharing your thoughts, and also sharing your thoughts and expertise in the book. Well, thank you so much for having me. I really appreciate it. All right, take care and keep up the good work. You too. Thanks. You too. Bye bye. Bye. Once again, that was uh, Cindy Campbell, practicing attorney and a mom of two young boys, founding partner at Campbell Long LLC based in Chicago, Naperville, and the author of Legal Things Parents Should Know with Occasional Wit and Sarcasm. And we're going to take a, uh, a short break. Um, we're going to let our broadcast partners at WFOV, Our Voices Radio, 92.1 LPFM in Flint, squeeze in a few words or do whatever they do when they go to break. If you're streaming us at TomSumnerProgram.com, we have some uh, messages as well. So, um, yeah, stay, uh, don't touch that dial. Don't click that mouse. There's uh, more of the Tom Sumner program coming up. Um, next hour, we're going to be talking about uh, the hashtag PACE process for early career success, written by um, Core Access Consulting CEO Mark Zides. And uh, coming up in the third half of our three-hour tour, we're going to talk about pay equity and wage gaps with uh, the founder of GapSquare the co-founder and CEO, Dr. Zara Nanu. So be sure and uh, stay tuned for all of that. we got lots of good stuff coming up this week as we, uh, as, as we uh, broadcast this final week of April. Can you believe it's the end of April already? It, it just seems like the time is flying by, folks. And I want to say thanks to uh, everybody who came out last Wednesday to the White Horse to help us launch our 15th year of doing the Tom Sumner program. 
it's hard to believe that time has gone by pretty fast too. So anyway, don't touch that dial, don't click that mouse. We're going to take a short break and then there's lots more of the Tom Sumner Hi, program. Hi, this is Joe By from the Blue Lions and you're listening to the Tom Sumner program. Right now, the COVID-19 vaccines are available to millions of Americans and soon they will be available to everyone. This vaccine means hope. It will protect you and those you love from this dangerous and deadly disease. I want to go back to work and I want to be able to move around. To visit with Michelle's mom, to hug her and see her on her birthday. You know what I'm really looking forward to is going to opening day in Texas Rangers Stadium with a full stadium. We've lost enough people and we've suffered enough damage. In order to get rid of this pandemic, it's important for our fellow citizens to get vaccinated. I'm getting vaccinated because we want this pandemic to end as soon as possible. So we urge you to get vaccinated when it's available to you. So roll up your sleeve and do your part. This is our shot. Now it's up to you. Yo, speaking. Oh, dear. Honey, our car warranty is expiring again. So soon? It just expired last week. You don't even own a car! Not now, Dana. Your father's on the phone. Hey! Mom and Dad, you're being scammed. It's a robocall. Scammers are using new technology and clever tactics to make more and more calls that look legitimate but are hard to trace. They can make it look like they're calling from any number, even from numbers of people you know. My robocall crackdown team is working with state and federal partners to stop the robocalls for good, but I need your guys' help. Don't trust your caller ID. Verify you're really talking to the person whose number appears when your phone rings. If you accidentally answer a robocall, hang up right away. Engaging in conversation will only lead to more calls. Use a call blocking app on your cell phone that stops robocalls before they interrupt your day. And if you do get a robocall, file a complaint with my office online at mi.gov slash robocalls. And mom, dad, please do not give your information out to these scammers over the phone. They're just trying to trick you. Well, at least they call. No, I get it. You're busy. But you know, Janine's daughter is a doctor. She calls every week. A doctor. I'm Michigan Attorney General Dana Nessel. Visit mi.gov slash agcomplaints for your connection to consumer protection. It's 2022, and this year the Tom Sumner Program begins its 15th year. It would not be here without support through the years from individuals and organizations like these. Seth David Radwell. East Village Magazine. Flint Institute of Music. Hello! I'm Maestro Ricky DeMeg. Flint Community Schools. MTA Flint. Flint Comics and Entertainment. Hamity Complete Food Center. The Flint River Watershed Coalition. W.H. Wisecarver. The Genesee County Road Commission. Lone Museum Auto Fair. Thomas Appliance. The Genesee Health Plan, Whiplet Technology, Mark Community College, it's Pure Michigan. Friends on Facebook have also helped by contributing to the show's online fundraisers two or three times a year. If you would like to help the Tom Sumner program continue to thrive by becoming a sponsor, send an email of interest to Tom at TomSumnerProgram.com. Add your name to the list of supporters, past, present, and future. 
Technical assistance for the Tom Sumner Program is provided by Swiftlet Technology, engineering and IT services at swiftlet.technology. Hey, this is First Ward City Councilman Eric Mays, and you're listening to the Tom Sumner Program. Welcome to this presentation. Raps creation. The Bickerson. Like most married women, Blanche Bickerson is a romanticist. Having talked poor husband John into taking her on a second honeymoon, three o'clock in the morning finds Mrs. Bickerson in the lobby of a small hotel at Niagara Falls. Exhausted and bleary-eyed from the long drive, John Bickerson unloads the luggage outside as his wide-awake wife talks to the night clerk. Let's listen. It doesn't really matter about the room as long as we have a nice view of the falls. Yes, ma'am. I'll bet you don't remember me. No, ma'am. Well, I wouldn't expect you to with all the honeymoon couples you meet. I was here seven years ago. Is that so? Yes. Well... Better luck this time. Oh, we're still married to each other. We're just having a second honeymoon. Do many people do that? No, ma'am. I wonder why. I wouldn't know, ma'am. Are you married? No, ma'am. Arthritis makes me walk this way. Will you please sign the register? Oh, I'm sorry. Last time we were here, we had to wait two days for a room. We stayed in a motel in Buffalo. Oh, here you are. Thank you. Is that Bickerson? Yes, didn't I sign it right? Yes, ma'am. Mrs. John Bickerson and husband. Here's the key, room 318. There's the automatic elevator over there. We don't have any bellboys at night. Oh, that's all right. I'll go out to the car and get my husband. John, where is he? He's not in the car. I wonder if he took the luggage out of the trunk. Good heavens! John, get out of that trunk, you darned fool. John, John, John! Blanche, 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 shut the door, there's a draft. Come out of that thing. All right, all right, all right, don't pull. Ow, my hand! Oh, serves you right. Pick up that luggage and straighten yourself up. Ow. I don't want you to go in that nice hotel looking like a ragamuffin. It's a nice muffin. Um, Grab a couple of these bags, will you, Blanche? No! It wouldn't look right on our honeymoon. Come on! Oh, my back. Where's the bellboy? We don't have any at night. Are you the clerk? Yes, sir. Where's the register? I I want a room with a bed. I've already signed it. You've got a room. Good. Where are you going to sleep? Come on, John. Stop dragging your feet. I just drove 2,000 miles for a second honeymoon. Lead me to my room. You had to talk like that in front of the clerk. Oh, let me sleep, will you, Blanche? I'd just like to go one place with you that you didn't embarrass and humiliate me. You've been unbearable since we left home. Keep going. In here? Yes. Pull the bags in so I can shut the door. No windows? No nothing? How much do they get for this broken down room? This is the elevator. (laughs) Oh, well, push the button or something and get it started. I can't keep my eyes open another minute. I was afraid this would happen. 
I'd hope that going on a second honeymoon would bring us closer together. Can't get much closer than this, unless you throw the luggage out. Every time I want you to be romantic, you're so distant, John. What is keeping us apart? The brown suitcase. What floor are we on? I'm sleepy. You're always sleepy. When you're not sleepy, you're humiliating me. I'll never be able to face that night clerk in the morning. You won't have to. Why not? There'll be a day clerk. Which way is the room? I don't know, and I don't care. I'm going to stay in the elevator. Oh, come on, will you, Blanche? Well, say you're sorry. I'm sorry. Now, where's the room? Right in front of you, 318. Well, open the door before I collapse. Thank heaven. I gotta get some sleep. Well, put the lights on. Don't stumble around in the dark. Don't want to open my eyes. Just aim me at the bed and give me a shove. I'm not gonna let you sleep until you undress properly and unpack the luggage. Oh, Blanche, why'd you have to bring so much stuff? You've got as much stuff as I have. I have not. All I brought was my toothbrush and my overnight bottle. You and that bourbon. You wouldn't take five steps away from home without it. Well, I can still remember what happened when we got snowbound in that cabin. That wasn't so terrible. Oh, not much. I had to live for two weeks on nothing but food and water. Don't throw my things around like that. There's no closet. Where shall I put these dresses? In the drawer. Where do you want these drawers? In the dresser. Fold up your pants neatly and put them under the mattress. Okay. Well, take them off first. John, what a fool I was to think you'd change. The second honeymoon was just as big a mistake as our first one. Oh, no, it wasn't. I'm so sorry you made me go on this trip that I could just die. I didn't make you go. You shanghaied me. You even tried to get me to marry you again. Was that such an unreasonable request? Yes, it isn't legal. Why not? A man can't be punished twice for the same crime. Oh, that's too bad about you. How you shame me in front of all my friends. And after I sent the invitations out, too. Well, I wasn't going to have any formal wedding and put out a lot of dough to feed your hungry friends and their squalling brats. There wouldn't have been any brats there at all. How do you know? Because I said plainly on the invitation, Mr. and Mrs. John Bickerson will be married March 9th. No children expected. Put out the lights. I'm never going back to that horrible apartment we live in. I'm going to sit here and stare at the falls forever. Wouldn't hurt you to look at them either, John. I see them every day on the shredded wheat box. How can you be so cynical? I'm glad I have a little romance in my soul. Just the sight of those falls brings back memories. Mm, yeah. Sit up, John. Look at that cascade. Doesn't it remind you of something? Yeah. What, John? I think I left the water running in the bathtub. John, you didn't. Okay, I didn't. Good night, Blanche. I never should have trusted you to lock up. Now I'm really worried. Did you close all of the windows? Close the windows. You didn't leave any lights burning, did you? Uh, no. Did you leave food for the cat? Left enough for a week. What did you leave him? A six-pound tin of corned beef. Did you empty it into a plate? No. Well, how do you expect the cat to eat? I left the can opener on top. Stop worrying about the cat. We should have taken all the animals with us. Poor little canary locked in the cage. Cat can't get out of the house. And who is going to feed the goldfish? Oh, I'll bet they're terribly unhappy. Oh, they're not unhappy. They're having a fine vacation. They are not. They are, too. When I left, the cat was fishing. Fishing? Where? In the goldfish bowl. He was using the canary for bait. John, 
Dickerson. Oh, go to sleep. The canary and the goldfish are fine, and I wish the cat would drop dead. Don't talk like that. I love that cat. When I get home, I'm going to enter him in a cat show. What for? He couldn't win anything. Maybe not, but he'd meet a lot of nice cats. Go to sleep, will you, Blanche? I'm not sleepy. Why don't you sit up and talk to me? Blanche, people don't talk at four in the morning. You talked until five o'clock on our first honeymoon. You kept reciting poetry and telling me how beautiful I was. Do you remember what you said, John? No. You told me your love for me was like a raging inferno. You said you had a fierce fire blazing in your breast like a live coal. What happened to it, John? It's only a clinker now. How can you say such terrible things to me? Blanche, I'm so sleepy, I don't know what I'm saying. I'd like to hear you say things like that to Gloria Gooseby. Can't I even go to Niagara Falls without Gloria Gooseby? The only reason you didn't was because she wouldn't have you. What? You proposed to her 15 times before you proposed to me. You big second fiddle, you. I never proposed to Gloria Gooseby, and you know it. And the next time I see her, I'm going to punch her husband, Leo, right in the nose. What have you got against Leo? He's a better husband than you are. I'm sick of hearing that, too. Leo Gooseby is a cheap, chiseling bum. He is not. He's more generous than you. Would Leo Gooseby give you a new dress? No. Would he give you a new hat? No. Would he give you a mink coat? No. Would you give me a mink coat? No. Why should I give you anything? Leo wouldn't. Stop screaming. You'll wake up the whole hotel. Well, stop goading me. You want me to do nothing but fight, fight, fight. No, I don't. All I do is ask for proof you love me, and you go into a tantrum. Blanche, what more proof do you want? I tell it to you a thousand times a day. I raise a new crop of freckles to spell out I love you. I painted it on all the Burma shave signs. Somebody's at the door, John. Honey, honey, honey. Honey! Madam, this is not a beehive. It's my bedroom. What are people wandering around in the halls this time of night? Don't be so crabby. It's probably some nice little bride who can't find her husband. Maybe he's lost. He isn't lost. He's hiding. Put out the lights, will you, Blanche? I've got a vile headache. Nobody told you to yell your brains out. Good night. If you just stand here and look at the falls for a few minutes... Your headache will go away and you'll sleep fine. Where does all that water come from? I once read it goes over at the rate of 346,000 gallons a second. John? Yeah? Are the falls higher on the American side or on the Canadian side? I don't know. I'll have to find out in the morning. What a majestic spectacle. I'm convinced there's nothing in the world like Niagara Falls. Except you, Blanche. Really, John? Why do you say that? Because you never dry up either. Good night, John.
you pilots get off of my lawn. We're trying to do a radio show down here. It's a Tom Sumner program, don't you know? Go on. Go on, get out of here. <laughs>